0: because great leaders will produce great results.
1: All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners. I'm Rob Schallenberger, CEO of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Excited to have you with us on this podcast today. Uh, and we have a, an amazing lady with us. And she she's familiar now with Becoming Your Best, what we're doing but I've told her about the listeners and how you're all over the world and how amazing you are. (laughs) So I'm gonna give you a chance to get to know Roya today. And I've been so impressed with her. I actually met her only about three weeks ago and just a little background on Roya and I'll let her tell more of her story. Uh, But what I know about her is number one, she's been very successful with Mary Kay. And if you're gonna be very successful in that particular world, you need to be an amazing person. You need to be a person that people love to be around. Uh, She has incredible energy, and what I really loved and why I wanted to invite her onto this podcast is because she has this idea about a movement that I feel would be a very powerful movement, and I'm going to let her tell us a little bit more about that, but before we do, welcome Roya, and if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little background with our listeners about who you are and, and your background and just a little bit about you.
2: Oh, sure. Well, thanks for having me on, Rob. What an opportunity. What an honor. I know you take your listening audience so seriously and that all you want to do is to give. And so here we are partnered together to give more of ourselves and to pray that it, it makes a difference to someone is, is my prayer. So thank you for having me. Um, gosh, my journey with Mary Kay Cosmetics started I when I was in my 20s. I um, used to run hotels. I worked 80, 90 hours a week. My parents taught me great work ethic. (laughs) My dad actually um, had to start all over. We lived in another country, and he lost everything in the war with four children. They had four children in five years, so you can imagine. And the gift to me was to see the ability to just dig in and come back and take care of the people that you love. And also it harbored a responsibility in me to do what I had to do and not, and my parents ever asked me to, but I just never wanted to burden them financially. So I worked really hard in school and then um, made sure that I paid for as much as I could. And, um, when I graduated, I was given a great job as an assistant general manager of this property that happened to be number one out of 2000 properties nationwide. So this young kid is totally in charge of, a pretty big deal space and I used to work eighty to ninety hours a week, week in, week out, Rob, and I loved it. But it was on salary. So the more work I did, the more work they gave me. And I happened to get engaged to my now husband, um, Noah, of almost nineteen years. And we had gone to high school together, (laughs) so I wasn't out socializing. We met there, but we didn't date there anyway. So he asked me to marry him, and I thought, oh, my gosh, either I'm going to be married to this hotel or married to him. What am I going to be now when I grow up? And so my soul was searching. I don't know if you or anyone listening has ever felt like you need to make a change, but your life circumstances are so harried and so busy that you can't even fathom thinking about something else. Your feet hit the floor, go through the day, your head hits the pillow and you do it again. It's that cycle. And so I was thinking about it, but not doing anything about it. And I walked into my divine appointment. I didn't know it was going to be my divine appointment. I was called by a sister property for cookie dough of all things. And, um, I went to deliver it to, uh, to them on my way home after my normal 16, 18 hour day. And there, there was a huge group of happy, huggy, sparkly Mary Kay people, <laughs> much like I become. And, um, I did what any normal woman would do. I think I tried to avoid them. And, uh, I went as fast as humanly possible through the crowd, and I i don't know if you've ever seen a woman trying to outrun another woman in heels, but that was me, <laughs> and I won, <laughs> and I saw one uh, bouncing toward me, and she asked them to go get me from behind the front desk wall, and I came out with my arms crossed, and I told them they had 10 minutes to tell me whatever it is they wanted to tell me. You see, my perception was these women were so excited about lipstick and eyeshadow every day, and I was like, how shallow, and... Um I turned down three sales jobs out of college. I never wanted to do that, and I grew up with three brothers. I had two eyeshadows since the eighth grade and so there was no real glamour in our household and I had some really challenging female relationships up into that point, some really heartbreaking cat clawing backstabbing stuff. So I'm mostly all guy friends so the last thing I wanted to do was hang around a bunch of women and I was so impressed more than anything else Rob with how they treated each other and I observed them in this, in the lobby. They didn't know I was watching. and watching. And I thought, wow, this culture of how they treat each other is so beautiful. So if nothing else, I'm going to learn to look cute at a discount and, um, and, uh, meet some great people. So that's how it kind of began. And, um, why now, why this segue? I just want to people to know that I'm completely loyal my role as a independent national sales director with Mary Kay been in the company working it for about 17 years but I got this calling this calling of a need and it's I feel like it's almost like I don't know if you see someone starving and you have food you can't deny to give it to them you have to do that so this is a bridge is simply a bridge Sheenus is what I call it to uh, building women and helping women and helping society beyond the beauty case. It's my give back. It's my passionate help to heal pains and navigate some potential dangers that I see as being ahead. So, you know, Mary Kay Ash said, if one more woman today realized how great she really is, it'd be a great day. And and that's my mission in Mary Kay. And that's my mission in in Sheenus. Yeah, well, great
1: background. And, you know, one thing that's interesting is we've got a lot of listeners, men, women old, young, seasoned, and young, (laughs) across the entire spectrum. And it's interesting. We had this initial conversation, you and I, a couple weeks ago. And as you initially started talking, you were talking about this women's movement. And and then we had a conversation, as you remember, uh, as we were trying to articulate what it is that you're doing and, and what does this look like and how do you describe it. And one of the challenges is when we say something like a women's movement, Uh, You know, on the phone, what we talked about is there's almost this muddy water that exists. You have these two political parties, the Republicans, the Democrats, and it's almost like they're going to vote in opposition to each other no matter what the issue. It's not even about the issue. It's just (laughs) I'm going to vote opposite of how they vote. And it's almost when we say women's movement, it's almost how murky the waters are in that world as well, because there's been some people who've been so passionate about it that they have distanced themselves you know, in our culture. And they've taken such a radical viewpoint on one side or the other. The, it's almost difficult to have a discussion. I mean, someone says the word women's movement and all of a sudden it's polarizing. You know, you have yes, one right. group on one side and they say, oh, lands here we go again. Then you have a group on the other side that says, yes, you know, we need more of this. And then as you began to describe what it really is, it's much more than that. And I thought this is something yeah. that people really need to hear about because it involves both men and women. It involves yeah. the workplace. And it's not just, quote unquote, this women's movement that has become very muddied. It's much deeper than that. And each of us plays a role in this. So tell us more about this and we'll call it a movement for now as, as you're articulating what that is, but tell us what it is that you have for your vision and why you're doing it. Because at first, like I said, I was like, Oh, another women's movement, but boys, you started to describe it. It took on a whole new life and meaning. And there's not a lot that exists out there like that right now. And so I felt like it was very powerful. So maybe you could just describe that.
2: Sure. I kind of see this, Rob, as I've been traveling now across the country and deeply working with women for about about 17 years, I just see a pain there. And with this big shout out now, you're right, about women's movement, I see a danger ahead. Um, Anything in extreme has its danger and its benefits. And so um, I see this as the third phase that we're going through right now, the female revolution, the first being suppression in the US. And the second being, we want it all, have it all and do it all. And yet we're still dissatisfied. So we women have it all and I want them to actually enjoy it. And I'm here to help women tap into both parts of herself um, in an effort to heal her pain and give Joy back to the women and also give it back to the men. We crave great relationships. This is what we're looking for. I want to give the women back to each other and the men back their women. And uh, this movement I call Sheenus. It's an embrace of the freedom. Of she, um, The fact that the women's movement is in full effect, we're arguing for what has become increasingly uncomfortable, the lack of balance is showing up in everything uh, from finance to religion to planet and politics and relationships, and in much of the developed world, we have undervalued feminine energy and we're attempting to reclaim it. And where I see the reclaim is a potential of it going into the masculine, conquering, like what you described, this polarizing effect in a way that is not inclusive of being feminine. Our dominating masculine society is valued drive and direction and segregation and domination, which we need for success and, and strength. And listen, I'm a clear, I'm clearly a driver. There's nothing wrong with that. But the strong feminine movement can be beautiful if we pay attention. We can, if we don't pay attention, we'll morph into this unhappy society that's tense and further emasculating men.
1: Which a lot of people have done right there. And that's, that was the initial conversation we had. You know, you say women's movement and suddenly it's this thing where it's almost women versus men. You know, we're going to claim our right. And then you got these two parties and there's a polarizing gap between them. And what you're saying is totally different than
2: bullying and an imbalanced society. I'm sorry.
1: Yes. -hmm. Yeah. So it's just from both sides and, and neither side really ends up winning in that particular case. There's not a shared vision. That's why I love what you're saying, because it's this, it's this vision for both this empowerment of women. So they feel true joy, happiness and, and achieve their fullest potential at the same time. It's so that men can get their women back and have this fulfilling relationship together with those women who feel empowered and have their own individual identity
2: inclusion of men, I believe it should start with feminine pride, not feminism or male domination.
1: Um, Yeah. So describe that a little bit. What do you mean by that?
2: Huge. Well, the benefits of feminine energy brings a multifaceted uh, type of energy and it's ease and presence. And it's about understanding while the masculine energy is stable and secure and focused and commanding and We both have masculine energy inside of us and we both have feminine energy. And if we don't have feminine come more predominantly valued out, uh, we won't find the nurturing and the appreciation of each other in the way that we could without the feminine. The feminine is by nature aware of collective growth. And um, without it, we can risk emotional depth and Reduced intimate and passionate connections. So I see it as being able to, the third phase is harmoniously going back and forth, Rob, within, within those energies. So for example, if you're primarily feminine, doesn't mean that you're a woman, but if you're primarily feminine, the root core of where we feel most satisfied is in that feminine energy. And if you're primarily masculine, the root core of where you feel most satisfied is in the masculine energy. And so what I noticed personally as a driving woman is that I operated so much in the driving, winning, masculine energy, which has become so valued in society that my relationship was suffering. I was feeling tense and I didn't know why I feel I should have been grateful. Why am I not grateful? I have all the opportunity in the world and yet I feel frustrated. And then you either end up with a relationship where you've got a really masculine guy that's now fighting you and you're, you're arguing all the time. And at the end of the day, quite frankly, if he's primarily masculine and you're at the core or feminine, he's going to win every time. Because when a man walks off a battlefield, he leaves it behind. When a woman walks off, she carries it with her. Hmm, or insight. you have a super nice man and he's going, I want to accommodate you. I want to love you. Whatever you want, honey. Whatever you want. And then she's starting to dominate. And she gets whatever she wants and she's no longer sexually attracted to him. He's totally emasculated. And now you've got, you've got this challenge in the home and dissatisfaction. And without awareness, I didn't even know that I had this need to conquer and a need to be held. And I think, there's so much of that in women that we have been denying of ourselves and therefore we're denying our men the opportunity to hold us and to then celebrate when we want to win because we feel like we're doing it together rather than opposing forces.
1: Yeah, can I just give you one example from my observation of this? And it's so such a great yeah. insight that you've seen. I, I've had I've seen both sides of the coin on this. I've had when I've opened the door for my wife, I had a person come up to me and say, That's so amazing that you still open the door for your wife. I've had now very rarely, uh, but I did have a person a couple of years ago uh, be critical of opening the door for my wife. You know, she can do that for herself, <laughs> as yeah. if, it's, if it's as if it's her exercising her woman's right. Uh, right. And I just that's an example of the polarizing side of it. It is where it is, and sh- allow us mm-hmm. the opportunity to serve the other person to do that. Th- you know, to do that, and she can still become and achieve everything that she wants to. And we have those balances. You're talking about this energy, this balancing energy rather than this one that
2: yeah.
1: makes the other subservient to it.
2: Yes. Well, as an achieving woman, so I want to talk to my high-powered women for a for a moment. As an achieving woman, we've got to go out and hold our own in what it is we want to to achieve in our in our workspace, in our life space, let's say you're running a home even, and you've got to be able to have that point A to point B mentality, there's got to be a space and a place that you value letting it go. And I remember sitting in the middle of a Tony Robbins event and he asked all the primarily feminine women, and this was just in 2014, it wasn't long ago, to please stand up. And I remained seated and I'm watching all these women move in a feminine way. And I'm thinking, I want to do that. Meanwhile, I'm tense. I had no idea why I was operating. So I didn't a- feeling agitated a lot. And my marriage was personal marriage was suffering. And I'm with all these other high achieving women and we're having the same conversations. And it took me a full on almost year to realize I am not primarily masculine. I am actually primarily feminine, but I've been operating in this inaccurate energy because that's what I thought I valued the most. And so if I'm speaking to any of those women, if my hope is that you ask yourself the question, if my body, if I am feeling tense and I don't know why, is that a signal to me that I'm operating primarily in the wrong energy? And if I learn how to access that feminine part of me, will everything start to become a flow instead of a push in my life? And once I began to access that, Rob, my life has become more of a flow rather than a push. And women are attracted to it and men are attracted to it. And this is what we're supposed to do, ebb between the two and attract each other into our spaces rather than demand it.
1: Yeah, which is so unifying.
2: (laughs) It's the exact opposite
1: of this polarization. It's this unifying that comes together with that. It's awesome. Uh, So let me ask you a different question. How did how did your experience with Mary Kay lead to this idea? And where would you love to see this go from here?
2: Well, that's a great question. You know, Mary Kay is actually the basis of where the thought of a tribe came from. Um, Mary Kay has been such a healthy tribe for me that I never truly experienced outside of this phenomenon. And um, it's not a—it's not in a lot of places. It is in places, but it's not in a lot of places. And I've personally benefited from these Confident, kind, feminine, female relationships. And prior to that, I had mostly guy friends. But since the beginning of time, we as women have been wired to be a part of a tribe. So if you look back at cavemen days, the men went out and independently hunted or with one other guy he barely spoke to to stay quiet, to get the kill. And the women stayed in a circle and half of them looking in on the fire, the other half presumably looking out for danger and community was built. And as society has progressed, we, in at least in the U- U.S., have or in in more developed countries have become so rigid on being independently capable that we don't even remember and realize that the tribe for a woman allows us to breathe freer. There's a sense of relaxation and there was a craving for me that I didn't even know I had to have female relationships. So as I've traveled across the country, I see the pain, women desperate for healthy tribes, and I'm watching the dangers and the extreme of this women's movement right now, and I see them grasping and not quite reaching it, and I knew that I was being called, called to help, and I don't pretend that I have all the answers, but I do know that I'm being used as a vessel of connection of brilliant minds around me, um, I continue to be loyal to my Mary Kay tribe first that I've developed. and My vision is that along with these brilliantly connected minds and she-ness, um, that we'll develop this community of helping to teach women to navigate the flow between masculine and feminine. High-powered women, we need to be taught how to access, even find that part of ourselves. We feel too If we're feeling burdened and tense, I want to teach that. And for women that feel that they don't have power, that have felt lost and undervalued because you're primarily feminine, teach you how to assertively kind, that assertive masculine side that's not abrasive. And when women connect with each other, themselves and men... Um, my dream is that we lift the boxes off the stereotypes of you're you're only this way, or you're only that way and have pride and feminine traits again, without being sexualized. And to see this conversation, you know, all across the country from morning shows and afternoon broadcasts and skill-based workshops and kitchen table conversations. I do see it, Rob, as a movement that can heal us from what we've been unconsciously dying from. And that's, and that's boxing ourselves into uh, into one form of person. And I think we think that if we are sometimes tough and sometimes soft, we're being incongruent to ourselves. May I give you one last example on why I believe that this is important to flow between the two?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: If we look at toddlers and we watch a toddler... Find a butterfly, for example, and they're so gentle and kind and loving with that butterfly. You watch them say, oh, it's so cute. It's so beautiful. And the next minute that toddler stomps in anger and throws themselves on the floor and screams and cries. Do we think that (laughs) toddler is being incongruent to themselves or do we realize that they're actually being completely authentic? And as we grow at somewhere pro- along the way we decide that we are some kind of identity and once we decide to find that identity it's my experience that we run in that identity in that lane all the time to remain congruent with ourselves when when truly at the heart of each of us there's different parts that must be accessed in order to fully realize the richness and depth of ourselves and and for a woman we've been denying, um, the pride in the feminine flow and the relaxation and the inclusion that comes with that energy and our men will com- we could completely thrive from allowing ourselves to to weave into both and for men as well sometimes it's okay to we need them to dive into the feminine energy on occasion um, and And we'll fully access our our potential as a society that way.
1: Yeah, so interesting the things you just said there. And, you know, as you know from our conversations, Roy, we'll do leadership seminars, keynotes around the world and interact with a lot of different people from C-suite executives to frontline employees and everywhere in between. And I've heard people say in the past, you know, I can't change. This is who I am. Well, We know that's not true. (laughs) Neuroplasticity would prove that false. You know, the old adage, you can't teach a new dog or an old dog new tricks. False. Neuroplasticity would show that we can actually rewire our brains and our thinking. Absolutely. And so you're talking about this identity that we've taken on, and that's so true, and it's so hard to break sometimes through that mindset because we see through this color lens, and that, that lens through which we see may or may not be painting an accurate picture of what the true reality is around us. It's our colored lens that distorts an accurate view sometimes of, of reality. And so we ought to, introspectively, each one of us look internally at that and ask, You know, and I hope the men on this podcast have really been paying attention, because this is just as applicable to us uh, in how do we treat our spouses if we're married? How do we treat those we work with, uh, you know, of the opposite gender? And what does that look like, that yin and the yang, the back and the forth? Because it's so critical that both people tap into those different areas. I love what you're saying. And so as you're talking about this identity that we take upon us, and sometimes it's a matter of seeing, number one, that, you know what, maybe there's changes that we can make that will help us live a better life, be more successful in our professional and personal lives. Number two, people are always craving something they can specifically do. So I'm confident there's people listening right now that are introspectively looking into their own lives and thinking, you know, how are their relationships, have they swung the pendulum one side or the other? Uh, because we all know relationships. There's someone who I know very well who was a lady who lived in a relationship where she was dominated for years and didn't say anything. Mm. She felt like she had no voice. And finally she stood up and she walked out of the house for about four weeks, a temporary separation that changed the relationship. And it was the first time she ever stood up to him and you know, they're back together. And the relationship at this point is 10 times better than it was. I don't know how, how it's been since then, but I do know it's 10 times better than what it was because she Um, finally stood up at the same time. There's other people who I know who both parties were so strong. And, you know, the woman or the man had such a strong voice that it never allowed them to have that deep relationship. And what you're talking about is finding that balance, that yin and the yang, the pull and the push that brings people together. So what's something that Someone could do right now in their lives, women or men, either one. What's something that someone could actually go do this morning, this afternoon, whenever they're listening to this podcast?
2: Gosh, Rob, number one is to acknowledge, acknowledge that we are evolved. So this audience that's, that's listening to you now, they're growth minded and let's start with the people that are willing to grow think and and get better than they were yesterday and the way i see it is that we had to biologically box things in order to make society palatable and manageable for us. And what I want to challenge you to think number one is I've evolved past that need and I can see a human being as a human being rather than labeled into one specific space and place. And if you're a high powered woman, I actually want to offer you five tips that I can send that allows you to access that feminine part again. And for um, the masculine, you may want to see these five steps to help the feminine in your life and to celebrate it when she attempts, because it's an attempt at first until it begins to grow into a habit.
1: How would they get those? That would be the
2: first thing is realization. Mm -hmm.
1: So how would they get, you're offering those five steps, which is great. I'm sure a lot of people would like to see those. Uh, Yeah. How could they get those?
2: I have a gift. So they can simply go to my website, www.shenus.com, which is S H E N E S. So sheenus with a dash, uh, embracing she, sheenus.com, and simply hit the subscribe button. They're going to get a welcome email, and then we're going to send a gift for listening to this podcast. And the gift will be the five steps to accessing your feminine energy. Pray yeah, that I'm you curious what
1: they are. So I'm going to go
2: subscribe. <laughs> what are those five five steps? And that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. This is a place that I've experimented with a lot of women that has allowed them to reconnect with that part of herself. And a lot of them didn't even know it was there. They were curious to find out if, if they actually had what we were talking about within them, this, this need, this desire of feminine flow. And, uh, these five steps help them to access it and the freedom and the joy you watch come over a feminine face is amazing. It's amazing. So that's my gift to you are those five well, steps. That's,
1: that's very kind of you. So I encourage everybody to go subscribe. I'm going to, I'm going to have my wife do it. And then uh, a couple of our team members have them do it. What, you know, what can you ever lose by seeing that? Uh, if nothing else, awesome. it can just help you. See the blinders that we all have to a certain degree. We all have these blind spots. And and one of the common traits amongst great leaders is there's a humility and willingness to get better, realizing that we all have these blind spots and trying to remove these blind spots as much as possible. So one more time, that website, Roya.
2: www.sheeneth.com dot com with a dash and you can find us also on social media continuing the conversation um, Sheena's tribe no dash Sheena's tribe on any social media feeds and we continue the conversation we're looking for others voices and I would love Rob for your experiment to come back and share with us what did work what didn't work because this is truly a collection a collection of amazing like-minded people that are looking for for flow rather than a push in our lives that we've been craving, and for reconnection to both parties, to men and women.
1: Well, so good. Well, thank you so much, Roya, for being on our podcast. Great insight, you know, wonderful conversation, and so applicable to so many of us uh, as people around the world, and so thank you for being on our podcast. Grateful to have you here, and we will stay connected, and we're excited to learn more and watch this grow. Uh, Roya's in the process of writing a book, developing workshops around this, so there's a lot to come uh, down the road in the upcoming you know, six months to two years, and we'll be excited to watch this as it continues to grow, Roya.
2: Thank you, Rob. Thank you for allowing us to begin the spark of this Connection. Thank
1: you. Well, so nice to have you on our podcast. And to everyone that's listening, remember that one person can make a difference. And if you haven't already done it, go get the book at becomingyourbest.com and start looking at the 12 principles and see how some of those 12 principles apply to this conversation with Roya, uh, because it's amazing how across the board, great leaders produce great results. And what Roy has just been describing are some of those principles, you know, having that vision and learning to communicate and being true to character. So grateful for you on the show, Roya. Have a wonderful day to our listeners, and we'll talk with you again next week.
0: Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 888-690-8764 to speak with a helpful representative,